Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. What? <laughs> you started giving me a look when I was I doing my hair. Excited about podcast again. Yeah, like my fifth one. I know, I know, I know. I'm your host Timothy Rooney, and continuing with horror season 2015, and like every podcast, I have I have a guest. Who are you, Mike Wilson? Hi, Mike Wilson. Your re- reoccurring guest. Yes, one I, of my. I just reoccur- can't get rid of uh, you. Just can't get rid of me. Yeah, kind of like AIDS. Of I can't get rid of you either. Yeah, you can't get rid of me by coming over to my house to you do it. You come to my house more than I come to your house. It's true, but you you offered <laughs> to come here. I was willing to drive out there, but yeah, you said no. You don't got to lug all this crap out to me. Oh. I was going to be out here anyway. That's true. So, <laughs> and we're not going to be just bantering for the sake of nothing right now. We are actually have the subject matter of this episode, if you look at the title. This is a review of the movie Suspiria. <laughs> synopsis of the movie Suspiria. Well, Suspiria is about this poor, poor young lady who just wants She's to be a ballerina. She's just a poor boy from a poor family. Yep. She wants to be a ballerina, so she, she signs up at this very prestigious school out in Germany. Yeah. And pretty much from the get-go, from the minute she steps out the airport, you know that everything is just going to go to shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting... I, I thought it was very interesting, that opening. When she, right as soon as she leaves the airport, like, you see the close-up of the door slide open. She starts to walk out, just a big gust of wind hits her. And the, close-up of the door slide close, and she is just out in a nasty rainstorm. And you could, you could just sense the foreshadowing right there. Like, mm-hmm. you just walked into something not pleasant. And it was... <laughs> Literally weird. and figuratively. Well, it was funny, because I was like... Uh, well, I did question it. Like, why do we have a close-up of the gears of the, the uh, doors open and then closed? But I'm just like... Huh? And then, but after you saying that, like, yeah, she has entered a whole new world, and she has to go on this weird, just weird journey. It's like it's like symbolically walking into the bad side of town, almost. Yeah, you just walked into someplace very bad. And this movie is directed by Dario Argento, and I believe at least written, if not co-written by him. Yes, there was a co-written by Dario Argento, who is known at the time for doing very stylistic giallo films. Giallo films were Italy's kind of. Precursor to the slash films based off pulp novels of uh, that had these weird yellow paper as its uh, printing. That's where the word giallo comes from. And he started with Burr with Crystal Plumage. And he had done a few giallos and a, a comedy in between between 1970 and 1975. Starting with this, with Suspiria in 1977, he started having a little more of a supernatural edge to his movies. Now, we find out, and obviously this is almost... Almost forty year anniversary or something like that coming up. Thirty eight, I think. Yeah, thirty eight. And we're at so this, this is obviously gonna have spoilers and stuff like that. It finds out that the, the school, school, school she's going to, all these crazy like things just keep happening, people keep disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um 
just anyone who leaves the school, like unfortunate things happen to them. Yeah, especially and especially if you've been nosing around what's going on within the school's walls. Yeah, the the main character Susie, as soon as she arrives, another character is like frantically leaving. This, this character goes by the name of Pat Hingle, who would go on to play Commissioner Gordon <laughs> in uh, the Batman movies. Which was funny because there was like a good like three minutes afterwards of us just making Pat Hingle jokes about the situation she this character was just in in this well, movie. I feel bad. This character was in just such a horrible experience. She just let herself go and, and somehow became an old man and commissioner of Gotham City. So I guess if you're used to being in hell, you know, why don't you run it? <laughs> this is Commissioner Gordon. I died in a movie once. Yes, it was the movie Suspiria. <laughs> I need a sandwich now. <laughs> I'm going to push this bell. Oh, uh, uh. Oh, well, yeah, I've done all I can do now. Mm. And what happens to the girl that left the school in the middle of the night that Susie runs into? Uh, Commissioner Gordon Pettingle uh, yes. leaves the school, goes to stay with a friend, and just mysteriously gets killed. Gets Like, she's just completely unnerved, cannot sleep, cannot focus, cannot, cannot anything. Mm-hmm. And she's just drawn to the window by, like, strange noises, and this creepy hand comes through, tries to pull her through... Like mashing her face like against put, the glass, like face against the glass, and it, it slowly like something, cracks. Something you do as a joke, just like. And we were making jokes about actor abuse, like this was you know filmed in Italy. So take that as you will. I mean, a couple of years from now, Cannibal Holocaust was made. Not saying that Dario Argento is kind of an exploitive person, like the director of that movie. Oh, I forget his name. Um, crap. Well, yeah, I forget mind. his name. I used to confuse his name, actually. Was it it Ruggiero de Dario or something? Yeah, this is Dario Argento, so that's uh, Rio... How do you pronounce it? Ruggiero de Dario. Yes, that's that's why you can confuse them really close like that. No kidding. But then you have like Lucio Fulci and stuff like that, that, but he's a different kind of horror director. Anyway, so this woman's face is being pushed against a piece of glass and then eventually breaks through, and she's brought out onto the rooftop, and she's like casually stabbed by the murderer. Yeah, he's just very just like 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 he's handing her the TV remote, or like something. poke, poke. Like here you go, you asked for this, and she's like ah. Stab repeatedly. He starts wrapping the like the I guess phone wire or whatever on the roof around mm-hmm. her neck. Mm-hmm. Her roommate's pa- her roommate is panicking more than she is. Like you think the roommate's being killed. She's like, <laughs> help! Help! It's a murderer. Going to every door every in the door. apartment and nobody's answering. Well, it's Italy in the 70s. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Mussolini's been out for 30 years. So people aren't learning to trust each other yet. So the 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 her friend goes down to the main lobby of the building and looks up into the plate glass window, plate glass ceiling, I should say, where her friend... Commissioner Pat Hingle is thrown through the roof and hung essentially on the telephone cord. And the, fr- and the friend that who took her into this apartment is murdered by the... Falling debris. And just takes her out like that. And you're like, ooh, really nasty. That's how the movie opens. So knowing that, you go into something like that, you you know you're in for a ride. Now, before we go any further, when did you first hear about this movie? I first heard about this possibly 14 to 15 years ago. There was a uh, special on Bravo called The 100 Greatest Horror Movie Moments. Scariest movie moments, I think. Scariest movie moments. Yeah, 100, scary, 100 scariest movie moments. Right. I essentially took that as, like, the 100 scariest movies of all time. Same here. That's, 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 that's how I treated it. And that's how I kind of, like, I got a lot, I got introduced to many horror movies because of that list. I'm like, oh, this is on the list? All right, I'll check it out and stuff like that. And that's how I that's how I became aware of this movie. I, I remember they, they opened that segment with the trailer, the beginning of the uh, U.S. trailer. And it just had, like, the, it had like the coolest, I remember, font. 
Yeah, that, the logo? that 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 it's, that, it's like I, hearts. That's like a beating, as it said, of Suspiria. It's probably made out of human hearts because this was at least filmmaking. <laughs> so they probably, you know, all actors were destroyed in the making of this film, yes. mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. But I just remember that, and then they go talk about it, and you just see this very uh, atmospheric movie. This this movie is all about atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, to build up the suspense, like a lot of the suspenseful moments really take a long time to get there, but while it's going on, they are just bombarding the living hell out of you with everything, visuals, sound, mm-hmm. uh, just watching characters freak out, you know? But if, it's, if you're not freaking out by the atmosphere of itself, you just look at the interior design from any of the sets and just like the wallpaper designs and the, the color... That's a big thing that's a part of this movie. Color is a very important thing to this movie. Everything pops... You would think Joel Schumacher made this if this were American. And it was like people have like kind of misconstrued as saying this is shot on Technicolor film, but it wasn't. It was actually shot Kodak Eastman uh, Eastman stock, and it was printed on three strip Technicolor. One of the last movies to do it, and so everything was very vibrant and everything like that. And one of the reasons, one of the visual insp- inspirations that Dario Argento and the cinematographer had for this movie is they watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And yeah, and they have all the colors that, all the really darkness and all the bright moments that there are few and far between. That was the inspiration for this movie. Interesting. Yeah, it's a Walt. <laughs> uh, that's why I think it's a Walt Disney horror movie. Other than Snow White itself. Other than uh, Disneyland itself and what goes on oh, behind yeah. the scenes at Disneyland. <laughs> that's uh, a horror movie in and of itself. Now, like you said, you, this is your first time seeing the movie, actually. Yep. Right? Yeah, I, I'm behind. So. No, I'm a. Well, no, like it happens. It's like I, I don't, I wasn't too shocked about that. I mean, like when you said you hadn't seen Dawn of the Dead yet, that one I did raise an eyebrow at. That was taken care of long ago. Yes, <laughs> don't worry. Um, and that's how these movies are tangentially related because Dario Argento produced the movie along with Romero, and he did a, his his European cut, and Goblin did the music for it. So now, fifteen years later, at these first being encountering her, her hearing of it. Does it live up to what you've heard about it? I would definitely say so. I mean, it's 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 very creepy. I mean, if if you've seen if you've already seen more of like the more modern horror movies, you'd probably get used to it very quickly, right? But the thing about it is, you can appreciate it. You can appreciate where it's going. Mm-hmm. You can appreciate the atmosphere it's put into it. Um, I, I have pretty mixed feelings on the score itself because they just they just. They sit there and they hammer on this just one little piano melody. Not even that. It sounds like something a grade school student would be learning on the piano for the first time, and they just play it over and over again. I was going to ask you how. Like, I I assume you do not like the score whatsoever. Not whatsoever, but I mean, we were saying while we were watching it, like it sounds. It sounds like they just took anything they had and just made a sound effect out of it. Mm -hmm. You know. But like that's one of the things that like I really enjoy the score. I really like the, the it, it. I think it serves the movie well. But I can see where you're coming from because it really. It's just uh, that one part everywhere, over and over again for like ten minutes at a time. It's like uh, it's but, giving me a headache. But one person can argue that's how Halloween is. I feel Halloween's a little more diverse. Right. I mean, I'm just saying, not saying that one score is better than the other. I have a preference. I prefer the Halloween score and stuff like that. But. If somebody really wanted to get really begrudging about it, I could see where they're coming from with well, that. Halloween also knows how to use silence. Yeah. I feel like because a lot of these suspense scenes just build up and went on maybe a little too longer, they kind of had to fill something with something. Yeah, I just mean... So, just so you wouldn't get bored watching someone walk around 
sneakily and scared. Like, they had to put something in there to build it up. I just feel like they used the same thing too often, or they started it out the same way over and over again. I mean, it's like the runtime, depending on which cut you've seen, is between like an hour and 28 minutes and an hour and 38 min- minutes long. Now, with that in mind, you probably could have trimmed like six minutes worth of stuff out of there. Just little bits here and Just there. Here and there, and not it, like big sequences altogether. It would not have taken anything away from the suspense. No. And I just feel like there are moments where I'm just like, all right, it's, it's going to happen. You're done with it. It's... Is. That's part of building suspense, though, and I mean, I feel like you need that. It's just you need to find a, that healthy balance, right? The healthy medium. Now, what would you? Um, let's go down the when it comes to actors. Who do you think gave the best performance out of the whole movie? I would have to say the lead actress because this this movie we watched it, it was dubbed yes. the American release. They, I mean, the actors were speaking English. You could tell from their lips. Like at least she was, anyway. Yeah, but probably I believe you said it was because like they shot with no sound and they had, like a lot of people spoke their native languages. So theoretically, you I'm could a, have a witch, a bubbity boobity. You, you know? could so have somebody to... speaking Italian, somebody could be speaking German, hey! somebody, and somebody could be speaking American uh, English, as to say, in within the same scene. Evil witch, you wanted to scungili in the hoagies, <laughs> and so heavy accents, probably. Um, Jessica Harper, who played Susie. And, like, her feeling very lost and kind of confused when coming to everybody else. Like, she was probably just really confused by all the actors and different accents she had to deal with on set. And I think it translated well to her performance. Well, I, f- I feel most of the actors that they got to dub were just comically... Over the top? Over the top. Comically, I don't want to say bad, but just, like... It's like watching the Godzilla dub. <laughs> or or uh, Bruce Lee dub. <sighs> That's harsh. Like, it was... Yeah. I, I mean, I just felt so much overacting. It was taking me out of the movie a bit. Like, you couldn't enjoy it whatsoever, or... I couldn't enjoy... Well, no, I was getting a different kind of enjoyment out of it. As in, like, comedic enjoyment. I, I mean... It took a bit of the suspense away from me. Yeah, but I mean, like, it wasn't someone, like... Someone's being murdered! Yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. run down my street doing that. <laughs> this is a murder! This is a murderer! It's a maniac! Maniac! Murderer, that's for sure! And he's stabbing like he's never stabbed before! <laughs> And just fall to my knees, crying, you know. <laughs> and then you get run over by a car because you have a very narrow street. And Pretty stuff much. Like that. Well, the car will crash, and then and then uh, wreckage will come and hit me in the head, like it, similar to this person. Um, yeah, I, I'll agree that um, the character Susie was probably like the best actor in the whole movie because, like I was saying, she felt just as lost as the audience at times, and she like she's a stranger in a strange land, so. Land of Ice and Snow. Yeah. <laughs> land of Ice and Snow. No, not that. Iron Maiden. Oh, oh yes. Um, I, I was thinking that in the back of my mind, but I was like, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna leave that alone. But no, you had to bring that up. I had to. You had to. And so I think it was really enjoyable, and much like how, like Back to the Future, like Marty's the alien when it comes to that world. When he goes back in time, he's our in. Same thing happens with this movie. She has to get used to kind of customs and how people operate there. And it was raining so hard in the beginning, she should have had a life preserver on. <laughs> Dork thinks he's going to drown. All right, now who do you think was by the least? Well, I'm on, with with preface to saying that some of the actors are not the greatest because of the dub. Who do you think was the worst actor in the movie, though? Oh, God. It's, it's 
<laughs> you have to come back to me on that one. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if it's a toss-up between the, the 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 one in the beginning who Commissioner Pat Hingle <laughs> goes to stay with and is fr- just being frantic. Like she, she looks like she's suffering more than the the person being killed, <laughs> being just nonchalantly stabbed. Like, whoops, my knife. Whoops, my knife. Ah. It's either her or the first roommate that the character, the main character Susie has, Olga. With the whole thing about saying, you know, yeah. girls whose names start with S's, they're like, like snakes. snakes. And uh. I was expect, yeah. And then the response that the other like girl there, I was expecting the two of them to start sticking their tongues out and say, "I'm going to tell on you." Yeah, and I'm just like, what? And you kind of hope for her to die a little, just a little bit, just with that kind of attitude. But like she didn't. I know, but the other one, Sarah, did. That's the really bad thing. Well, she was, she was starting to annoy me too with her overacting. <laughs> Don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> Not saying that we're like we're bashing this movie or anything like that. I still really enjoy it. But it's, oh yeah, me too. You got you got to acknowledge there are some humorous moments in the movie unintentionally. Yeah. Now. Um, I may have to agree with you with Olga, like her acting, but like as well as that the one blonde dude, I forget his name, that was kind of like hitting on the main character. I forget his name too. Yeah, and it was there was the moment when they the maggots have come out of the ceiling due to the bad food, so everybody's sleeping on like the main like lobby area of, of the dormitory, and like he's kind of like on a ladder peering over the curtain, waving at them, and he just waves at all of his fingers, wiggling like, his fingers, and like, then he slo- and slowly goes down the ladder. I'm just like, what? I don't know. I, that or like the old like the cook or like the maid or something like that. That the older woman with the child, and then she was just like, and her and her friend are just like having a gay old time laughing as they cut up meat. Like, oh, <laughs> they sound like Terrence and Philip after they just farted. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's ridiculous, and I'm just like, ah, oh, man, you could have you could have reined that performance in a little bit. Now, moving on, what do you think of the the cinematography in the movie? Flawless. It's got that it's got that 70s uh, fully aware of foreground and background, mm-hmm. where like you see just by the way the shot is set up. You see there's they may be focusing on characters in the foreground but the background is very wide and open. Yeah. And it's just it draws you there cuz you th- you're going to think what your first why? thought is why is that so open and the second thought is oh god something's going to happen back mm-hmm. there or there is something back there. They're very good with that. There's a lot of quick cuts to kind of disorient you. Yeah. Um but yeah, but that all goes with like I said like just bombarding you with atmosphere yeah just to really like get you out of your seat unnerved it starts out very slow and then ramps up yeah cinematography plays a huge part in that and like there's a one moment where um olga's on the phone and she's in the foreground while Susie and the blonde guy that i mentioned before are in the background having a conversation you're wondering what's gonna happen here is like olga like listening to their conversation or something like that while she's pretending to be on the phone like she's on the phone but i wonder if she's like eavesdropping on the other person's conversation and there's moments like um, when Susie goes to speak to the headmaster about the uh, what uh, Pat Hingle could have said on the night when she disappeared. She, over- she overheard like a very brief thing of her ranting and raving. And then she walks into the, the, the office and has the weird like flowers on the wall as well as the weird paintings and stuff like that. And it was just something like visually interesting. I'm like, it's really, this is a very like, meticulously designed room and like how it's being shown like that like oh this obviously is going to play a part in the movie somehow was it the same room that she gets into at the end yeah 
Okay, was, so there you go. There was a lot of foreshadowing in that. Yeah, and, and like, and I have to watch it back because when they says irises and then it cuts to the headmaster's like reaction, I wonder if it's in the shot, like in the background, and like nobody notices or anything like that, because. The movie is very sparse when it comes to close-ups, like really big, tight-in close-ups. But there's there's also really odd moments where Udo Kier, a very young Udo Kier, is having a conversation. And the very scene. less wooden Udo Kier. And he's like, the camera's really low, looking up at him, just looking in the sky. So it's like his head's the only thing in frame, and then like the blue clouds behind it. And I'm like, why is that? Why that low? And I'm just wondering what the decision process that was there. Yeah, I don't know. It's showing Udo Kair before he he turned to wood. <laughs> that, 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 his acting turned to well, actually. Well, we don't know his acting because he was dubbed. But yeah, for all we know, he's just saying I am, wood. I am Udo Kair. I act in everything because I need to pay rent. That month. <laughs> I am made of wood. I'm going to be in Werewolf Women of the SS when Rob Zombie eventually makes it. And I'm going to be in his Halloween in there for 10 seconds <laughs> because my gas bill is due. <laughs> Loomis, 150 miles away from here, for God's sake, does not drive a car. You were doing very well last night. I'm sorry, Mr. Ace. I'll have the plumbing checked immediately. <laughs> be sure that you do. If I was drinking from the toilet, I might have been killed. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot to use an Ace, Ace Ventura. Ventura. <laughs> oh, my God. He tries uh, to steal his Super Bowl ring. Yeah. Struggling with it at the door. Get away from me, Mr. Ace. Um, along with the cinematography, the color in color the Color everywhere. Color everywhere. And that's color, the one color thing. Color everywhere. I mean, that's why. Is that one of the reasons why you probably want to get on Blu ray just to see how it I, looks? Yeah, I, would, I, I, I want to get on a Blu ray to see really like all that brought out, but also for the sound point of view. Right. It's like I was saying yet again about them just bombarding you with sound. I'm sitting here listening. We're just watching on a regular TV, like yeah. just a regular HDTV. I'm just listening to all the different aspects of the soundtrack that's mm-hmm. going on and the score, and I'm th- I'm just visualizing like, like where it could be in like a surround sound mix, right? Just to throw you off your just like like looking over your shoulder every two seconds, mm-hmm. see so you're coming something coming out from the speakers behind you. And I just and, and the joke I made during the um, early the early part of the movie is like. What happens if you just got stoned and just looked at like one of the walls in that movie and have all that audio coming at you? You'd be like, "Whoa, this is not good." You'd, you'd have probably a bad... commit suicide. <laughs> the interesting thing was, I don't know if they intended for it because it, it, it was uh, filmed and it was recorded in mono. Yeah, like most seventies things. So I don't know if they're like, "Damn!" If, if uh, Dario Gento was like, "Damn, I wish there was a thing. I wish the sound would surround me." Let hmm. me create a score. Let me create a score that hmm, you know maybe one maybe day, just maybe. maybe one day in the future when they have a technology that has. That uses optical discs with a ray that is blue. Yes, I'm sure that's what he was thinking about in 1977. I don't know. He was thinking about. He getting... was thinking of what he wishes he had. Yes, and then he was thinking about a, uh, another zombie movie from George A. Romero, which he eventually got. Now, one of the like really cool moments in that movie is like, like light coming in from outside, like whether it be like fire engine red, like puke green, or like James Cameron blue. I mean. It was always very different and always very just, like, making you feel very uncomfortable in this world to try and make it seem like... It's just a weird place. Yeah, no, and... The, everything, the walls are painted funky, the floors are this, the ceiling is that. Right. It's just a weird place to be. And, and then... Then you have, like, all the people acting strange to her as well, and it's, it's just a, like... It's a ballet school run by Nazis. Yeah, Practically. Much. Practically. <laughs> and... Do you think... 
the color and the sound effects, do you think it's too overpowering? Do you think it's too Not at much? All. Okay. Not in this application. Because you used the word bombarded a few times. I didn't know if it was a negative. Company. Not at all. No, bombarding in like a good way where it's just you're just feeling overwhelmed by this atmosphere and like you yourself might want to get up and get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Now, do you feel like the music, the musical score going back to that, do you feel like it should have been more variety? <sighs> yeah, just, I mean... Maybe in the places where they just use that one part of the theme over and over again consistently mm-hmm. and obsessively. It's like, every, it's like okay, we've been quiet for exactly five minutes, and okay, hit hit play. <laughs> and then that for the next 15 straight minutes. Right. And that same melody over and over again as if, like, a 10-year-old is practicing it on the piano. <laughs> and it's like, enough already. Just like something else might have fit somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Maybe something in the same vein of that. Right. Now, one thing that kind of... Even Halloween, even Halloween's theme, you know, went up and down in intervals and keys with it. It wasn't just it the same higher, notes. It got lower, it, it got lower. It wasn't the exact same notes again, 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 again. Literally, again. Oh, yes, on repeat. Even though they keep adding little elements to it every, as the scene goes on, because mm-hmm. they're building. They're building up to, to the inevitable scare, mm-hmm. and they're adding little bits of, like, another instrument or sound effect. I think there was a didgeridoo in there. Why, 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 there was a didgeridoo why. in there. They had that too, but they keep <laughs> adding, and it's just like uh, maybe if that maybe if that melody was a little more diverse in and of itself, it wouldn't it wouldn't have bothered you. It okay. wouldn't have been as annoying. Okay, now it's a broken record. <laughs> I can see where you're coming from that, but then you have like with the moments where the music score a musical score works really well is like where there was a pianist who is blind who has a seeing eye dog who le- he leaves outside the school when he goes to work he is fired because the dog attacks a, a small child that that um, a very creepy small child who like who, uh, omen like I, I believe is like the son of the co- the cook who is a big big woman that looks like she played for the nfl once <laughs> and so he's eventually fired after he like yells at the uh he fights teacher. back yeah he yells exactly. at the head instructor he leaves and then after watching some uh, native German dancing and stuff like that at a bar. Oktoberfest, I guess. Very Oktoberfest. He goes out and he hears these weird noises. And I think that's where the score works the most is he's out in this middle. Bombarding of, you with atmosphere. And nothing's around him. And the dog's freaking out. He's freaking out. And eventually the dog attacks him. Snaps and, and tears his throat out. But it, well, the dog doesn't do that. A very convincing puppet of a very the convincing dog. sock puppet that clearly isn't grabbing onto his neck. Like, uh, but then it'll cut to the actual dog eating. You can tell that like they just put like dog food under the like they just painted his dog food red. Yeah, and then to make it look like he's pulling skin off of and, off of someone's neck. And eventually, two police officers show up and chase the dog away and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things that just like the where the music works perfectly is that it just builds, 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 and then bam, cuts out, and all we have is a gnat sound of the dog. Tearing this throat apart, and it's really unsettling. And you're just like, "What's going to happen to the main star? If like this guy got this, if like he went out this way, what's going to happen to her?" Well, this goes on to what we were saying before about how like anyone that like tries to leave the school or that's one of the things I really wasn't too keen on is like how the hell does a school, you know, stay in business? Yeah, when just coincidental misfortune happens, and in the beginning we see the police there because because uh, Pat Hingle got killed. Yes. And Susie herself says, oh, I saw her. By Jack Napier. I saw her. Yes, by Jack Napier. I saw uh, that girl leaving as she was mumbling something, and then she just ran away, you know? Like, gave the exact description. So, obviously, something's up. Yeah, and it's it's not like one of those things where, like, that's really incompetent police officers who don't 
listen or anything like that. It's not like the police officers in Halloween 5 or anything like that. It seemed that. pretty fucking incompetent to me. <laughs> they came for, like, oh, okay, there's only been murders here over the course of the past 80 years, you know. And we just don't know why, but they're all affiliated with that school. Coincidence? Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. This yeah, sure, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah that, seems, that seems about right. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is your favorite part of this movie? Um, I kind of liked the ending, but not the 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 last part of the ending, like... Explain. Uh, after her roommate Sarah is killed mm-hmm. by bad overacting. Yes. Um, via barbed wire. After she, I don't know how she not see the barbed wire when jumping from one yeah. windowsill to the next. But anyway. her, her, her roommate Susie basically is just incredibly paranoid about all this. She was really good friends with with Pat, and is just sensing like something's up. Um, there's no teachers at the school at night usually. Right. So someone, but someone keeps walking through the hallway. So she insists on like counting the steps. It's it. it it sounded kind of hackneyed until you get to the end of where it actually works. Yeah, it sounds like like where where's this going? But actually, it does. It's a setup that does have a payoff yeah. eventually. So the character of Sarah, you know, she she does all her step counting and everything. And one night, she, she, Susie Susie every time she goes to sleep is just like like well, like she's to, being drugged. Yeah, like the Walking Dead almost, where she just like pa- passes out, yeah, sleeps and gotta shake her. So Sarah, okay, tries, I'm I'm conveniently asleep. So Sarah goes to investigate. And is pretty much, I'd say, attacked by the whatever force is going on. Like she's she's chased into like a closet room. Mm-hmm. She's uh, puts the the uh, the latch down. the latch thing over the lock, and the the freaking the killer is trying to stick like the knife through the door and the, like the straight, unlatch like it. Like a straight razor trying to lift the lock and everything like that. It's like it's like trying to unlock your car with a coat hanger. <laughs> when you lock yourself out of your car, you stick a coat hanger through the window and you try to just go. Nope. Whoops. Nope. Whoops. Nope. Nope. And you just sit there forever. So she sees a window which leads into, the, into like another closet, goes in there, notices an exit, but clearly does not see the entire floor is nothing but just wrapped up razor wire or yeah. barbed wire. And she just decides to jump into it. And like, uh, I mean, you know? like, that's my favorite image of the whole movie is her like kind of wrapped up in that, in that, just like, like that alone just, just terrifies me of like being in that situation. And she's struggling to get out. The killer comes around the other side and slits her throat. Yeah. End of her. So she disappears. Susie has a talk with with Udo Kair and one of his professors about witchcraft and witch covens, and, mm-hmm. and we we start to really understand like the history behind the school that it, w- it was formed by a witch, and she had her whole coven of people. Um, so that night, Susie gets home and nobody's there. They all went out to a movie or they, they, they all went to the theater. Like one of the yeah. head uh, head teachers like had tickets for everybody, with the exception of Susie. Yeah. So Susie looks over Sarah's notes. Mm-hmm. as she hears these footsteps going on outside, and she starts counting them, counting the footsteps, which always lead to a door, and then counting more, which lead to another door. So Susie manages to find herself into into this big room that we were talking about before with a lot of paintings on the wall, where she starts to see is like a couple of flowers painted on the wall in different colors. She sees mm-hmm. the blue one there, and then she remembers back to what Pat said, what she was rambling about on the first night, and manages to... It turns out the blue flower that's on the wall is actually a lock to a secret room. Right. Very much like Clue. And then she goes down through the door, down this very ha- weird hallway with this strange writing all over on either side. We find one of pretty much the runner of the school talk, trying to conjure, conjure up something against the, the American girl Susie, where all the, all, the head, all the other conspirators are there, unaware of her presence. All the other staff from the school. Everybody. Pretty, pretty much. And, and Susie tries to escape, 
but ends up running into the body of Sarah and then freaked out, hides in the room after she made some noise and that all the other conspirators and the staff are going after her, finds the silhouette of the head witch that is believed to be dead but wasn't because they believe that the, the witch the, burned to death. They call, the, Sarah referred to her as like, oh, this has got to be the school director. She always snores like that and we ne- we've never seen her. Right. That's just, just this weird snoring. It sounds like me when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, with all your nasal problems. Just like sounding like death, like I sound like now. Yes. So, Susie, you sound like a Florida-based death metal band. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So No, I don't sound like my butt. No, I saying... So Susie, in all her fear and panic, knocks over a little statue with some very sharp objects on it, waking up the witch who's in there and starts, ah, who are you? You're the American. I'm going to kill you. And then she picks up and are you going to kill me? And Pulls back the curtain and, like, it was just the imprint of where the witch was sleeping was there and she's not. Then you'll be attacked by the living dead and turns and her friend Sarah, now reanimated, bleeding with a knife in hand, heads out to Susie, but... Susie turns around and sees the there's an outline of her very much like Hanna Barbera animation or something like that. Stabs the outline. Turns out the witch was just being invisible. To, uh, I know you're invisible. Sarah, Sarah disappears and then the building starts to just be destroyed because of the killing of the head witch. On her way out, she sees the rest of the staff just like like convulsing, in pain, convulsing and bleeding. She gets the hell out of there as the place starts going on fire and the movie just ends. That's the only problem I had. It's just the movie just ends. Abruptly. There's nothing... No, no, no epilogue, nothing. No epilogue, no aftermath, no nothing to make us think that, oh my god, something might still be out there, or, oh, it's over, finally. Just, it didn't feel like an ending. If, if it was... That, that's, maybe like maybe, that's probably my weakest point in this movie, is the abruptness of that ending. It's the actual end. Yeah. Like, like, where the movie literally ends. Not the ending, but where it ends. And, like, now... There were our two other witch movies that Dario Argento did, Inferno in 1980 and then Mother of Tears, I think, in 2007. And those were, like, spiritual sequels to this. Not, like, as in, like, they're all connected or anything like that, but, like, he calls them the Three Mothers uh, movies where it's all different all different witch covens are related in that. And I can agree with that. Like, I understand, like, something that Roger Corman said, once the monster is dead, end the movie, which is fine. But even, like, Halloween... Michael Myers gets shot, he falls out the window, and you have at least a minute, a minute and a half of taking in, oh, he's not dead, he's still alive. And then it ends after seeing so many snapshots of where Michael has been or could be, and that feels like a satisfying ending. This one just seems like, oh, I gotta get out of the building, get out of the building, it's on fire! Done. Yeah, it's just a problem. That's the thing that we really don't know if the monster's dead or not. Yeah, I, I mean, like... And this I, is Roger, why are we taking advice from Roger Corman, of all people? Well, I... Di- for, I take ideas from him, not ideas, but at least advice from him. Like when it comes to license com- a superhero team, make a movie for a million dollars, and never release it. Yeah, because it'd be cheaper to, to make it <laughs> than just like sell the rights. I forget what, what the situation was. Just to him. hold on to the rights. Yeah, much like not like Twentieth uh, Century Fox did that this summer. Mm. Yeah, they're wishing they got rid of those rights. Oh, 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 they'd be yes, better they off if they released the Corman movie instead. And. So you would say, and your favorite, I guess your favorite moment, or like if you could choose one, your favorite moment of the movie. I really love the beginning too, probably. Like the opening sequence of like the whole murder and everything like that? Yeah. Okay. And why is that? It's just really well done, you know? Like, it's like I said, it's just bombarding you with shit. You got this one person, this this girl, this girl Commissioner Pettingle, <laughs> who who is like terrified out of her mind. She just cannot even calm down. Mm-hmm. 
and then it starts with the sounds, and then it starts with something leading her to the window. Mm-hmm. Visually, this apartment that she's in is just, I wouldn't want to stay there. It looks like something bad happens here every day. <laughs> it looks like Joel, Joel, Joel Schumacher built it. Yeah. I'm surprised I, you didn't put nipples on all the statues. If I offended anybody or made anybody feel upset about this movie, that was not my intention. My yeah, intention whatever. was just to entertain. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Liar. I, I, I don't think that... That's that's harsh to call him a liar. He was a hired gun for Batman and Robin. He tried to make a good story of Batman Forever. We've argued uh, this. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, not to get off the... I mean, Batman Forever I'm fine with, yeah. ultimately. We've, we've argued this point, which means uh, a little self-promotion here. Go listen to our Batman Forever commentary. Yes. If you have a copy of the movie, or if you don't, go out and find someone in the street who does and beat the crap out of him and take it. <laughs> I don't Download... think you're going to have to. I think people will be willing to give him away. Download it illegally, whatever you have to do. Just listen to our commentary. Yes. it's really good. Now I'm just trying to think, do I have a copy? Did I put did I put an episode up with on this page? I think I did. If I haven't, I'm going to. So keep an eye out for that. Now... For horror, like, do you would you recommend this movie just for horror fans or fans of movies in general? Because like, that's a big distinction. Some horror movies, like, they're really tough to sit through, whether it be emotionally or physically, and some mainstream people won't see it. I'd do you say, think this is just for horror fans? Or I'd re- say it's for horror fans that like classic horror. Today's horror fans might be bored at times. Yeah. They might not understand what's being set up here. Because mm-hmm. it is a very slow burn. Yeah. With all that. There's plenty of like classic horror movies that do that do have that slow burn, but they get to the point faster and they keep you unnerved a little more. This one is a little too slow at times. Okay, but I understand it completely. I understand what's being accomplished here, and I feel like it is accomplished. It's just people today that are used to something else might not see it the same way. Now it's like it's like last night I saw Crimson Peak, um, and that's very much like an old fashioned gothic horror movie. That's what Guillermo del Toro set out to do, and he accomplished that. But, like, there were moments where it's, like, quiet and they're building up suspense and there's people talking in the theater because – and I heard somebody complain, like, well, like, this isn't that scary and stuff like that. And the movie wasn't that scary. Like, it terrified me. But it was just, like, there was an unnerving feel to the movie. And I understand where he was going with that. It's, like, everybody's, like, used to the paranormal activity, like, found footage idea mm-hmm. and, and, like, false jump scares that people are so desensitized to that or, like, they just expect that rather than have a – True unnerving film. Like if you released The Exorcist today, and how that that pace is, I don't think it would be as successful. It it really is a case of old versus new. And not saying oh, just because it's older, it's better. No, it's not. We're not making a blanket generalization like that. But it's just a weird way of how movies and stories were constructed then versus now. It's different. People's tastes change. They want more. As, mm-hmm. as things get good, they want, oh, my God, this was great. I want more of this. I want bigger. You know, why do you, th- why do you think all the supersized meals keep getting bigger? Yeah. Now, I, going, like, I'm now hungry. I think... <laughs> I'm thinking about supersized meals. Well, you're going to I'm going to go probably pick up something to eat and <laughs> go to Team and because <laughs> I don't feel like paying uh, $17 for a single slice of cheese. <laughs> now, like, now I'm five at... for one chicken tender. <laughs> You get a few tickets if you do that. If you buy the chicken tenders there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you need five thousand for a PS4. You need though. Six thousand tickets to buy to buy one shrimp. <laughs> it's more costly than the PlayStation Four. I say, like, if you're a fan of movies in general, like the history of cinema, I say this is something you have to see. But like, if you're specifically a horror movie fan, I'd say definitely check this out. Along with Dario Argento's others work, others work like. 
Deep Red or Bro with the Crystal Plumage, Catamo, Nine Tails, Tenebrae, Opera. Just to stay away from stuff after the mid-90s to now because most of the stuff he's done is kind of shitty. If you watch this, then you watch Dracula 3D. Oh, <laughs> I mean, That's- Jesus Christ. I'd also say even if you are like not the biggest fan of like classic horror or the history of film, but if you have a friend that does and you're always and you always uh, go with what he recommends, go with it too. Yeah, and it, but like turn the lights off, turn your phones off, yeah, and just be immersed into it. That's what you gotta do. You really gotta do whatever you can to create that atmosphere yourself and what the movie can do. I mean, like we like couldn't really do that much today because it was like we watched it during the afternoon. It was kind of sunny out, so it was like not like the most ideal time to watch this kind of a movie. But any final words on the movie itself? Um, it's very good. It's all about atmosphere. Not necessarily about, like, um, jump scares or horror, even though you feel like you're being set up for those. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when it's just dark, when there's, like, light focusing on one area, it's quiet or whatever. It feels like you're being set up for jump scares, but you're not. You're just set up to be just in this atmosphere where you're unnerved and feel like anything could happen. And it's because of that, like, Keeping it's kind of like the like <clears throat> like the first paranormal activity and like I'm gonna give it a positive to that because um, like the whenever the movie goes to night you know something bad's gonna happen you're just praying for it to become daytime again because nothing bad happens during that for most part that's what happens here you're just like all right it's nightfall something bad's gonna happen something Something's creepy going is going to happen and then like oh it's daytime Whew. we can relax now we can we can we can the evil comes out at night the evil comes out at night that, that's one of the purest things of nature I guess now like I said I would highly recommend this to movie to everybody and if there's any like try and get the blu-ray of it I know it's really hard to find uh, at least in, in great quality because some blu-rays are better than others when it comes to compression and the encoding of the information to the disc but we may get into that in another day is there another blu-ray of it or is there, there I think the just one? the one but like you've seen like early uh, prints of Blu-rays are not they're just pretty much the DVD transfer and it's not the greatest quality then you see later iterations like something like by Scream or Shout Factory and everything's really crisp with shitloads of extras yeah and, and most of the most of the basic Blu-rays you see are like multi-packs yeah like four film classics yeah and like there's like there's a Dario Argento co- uh, collection it's like three months ago it's Catavo, Nine Tails, Deep Red and Inferno which I don't have that many Argento films in my collection personally so I'm like I may Excuse me, you may end up getting that along with the single versions of uh, Suspiria and Burr of the Crystal Plumage and everything like that. So I hope everybody's enjoyed this uh, podcast about Suspiria during horror season 2015, or Halloween season 2015, I should say. Now, Mike, any other ideas? Any, uh, any other things to do for Halloween season? Um, don't get arrested for yep. vandalism. That's always that's always a plus. Don't get arrested for vandalism, public drunkenness, public nudity. Yes. Um, vagrancy. <laughs> don't go to public uh, masturbation. Don't go to abandoned psych ward in the middle exposure. of the night and get uh, caught trespassing. By the yeah, trespassing. Especially trespassing. <laughs> just just behave and be good. Be well, like Demolition Man. So I'm your host Timothy Rooney. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Timothy Rooney too. Follow me on SoundCloud if you're listening to this, soundcloud.com. Anything goes, dash Timothy Rooney or Tim Rooney. Follow my YouTube page, Through the Lens Productions, where my latest short film, Spear of the Lake, is up. You should put these on YouTube. I probably should. You really should. It's, it's, I mean, hell, it's pretty much free, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Space. No? Uh, I mean, 
I just feel like how many people would be willing to sit down and listen to that on YouTube and leave it open? Lots of people. Yeah, that's true. I do, I do stuff on all the time. Good point. All right, just throw on you... like a concert or a movie that's on there or a documentary, you know? That's true. I, throw I, all I... your stuff. Man, spread yourself out. Promote. Well, that's any, any promotional uh, advice for Timothy? He's uh, what's your Twitter? Timothy Find him on Twitter. Too. Yes, we need. We need Actually, to, I did get. I did get, get a, the word out, man. I did get a direct message on Twitter about my business and stuff like that because I followed one guy who does that who specializes. In that. I haven't gotten back to him. Yeah, so. I got that too. He was asking me if I needed a bigger dick. Got <laughs> that <in> my email. <laughs> I get that message from, from Apple every day to update my listing by giving them all my personal information, you know? <laughs> Not like you've had your identity stolen five times by this point. Four, but who's counting? <laughs> oh, clearly, not the credit, I, I, clearly not the credit card company, <laughs> or else they stop it. Oh, I was fucking with you. That now for, holy shit, I didn't know it was that much. Four times. Uh, clearly four, the credit card company's not keeping times. They're not keeping count, or else... I wonder how that investigation's going that the guy on the phone said is going to happen. You know? They totally haven't let me know about it. You're not... It must be balls deep in it. <laughs> you're not bitter whatsoever, Not at you? all, you know, not at all. I oh. bank with HSBC. That's HSBC. <laughs> oh, man. So I hope everybody's enjoyed this podcast on Suspiria, the Dario Argento classic. Continue listening to this on SoundCloud. And soon to be YouTube. And soon to be YouTube. And there'll be more... Podcast about horror movies coming this way for especially for Halloween 2015, and there may be a, another project that Mike and I may be working. Oh well, should be coming your way just about when Halloween hits. So stay tuned, and you'll hopefully see the link. Is that in the next week's book. thing? Yeah, that's what we're doing next week. Ooh. You're gonna have that done in time? No, 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 no. We're shooting next week. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we'll have that done in time. I, really? I, I'm excited about that. I, when Tom is, like suggested to push back a week, and I'm like, that was the first question. I'm like, can you do this in time? He's like, I will. It's because he's moving right now. That's why. Gotcha. And as well as Dakota wouldn't be able to show up for the uh, shoot as well. So I'm like, all right. So, yeah, shooting the 24th, and it'll be out by. And so is, so is the, the first thing? What? That is also related? The first. Well, Yes. Yes. Okay. Those will be both coming out the same day. Ooh. One on SoundCloud, one on YouTube. Nice. Yes. So keep in, keep your ears open and your eyes peeled for things that are horror related and Halloween related. Don't peel, don't peel them literally. I know it is horror season, <laughs> but don't peel your eyes literally. <laughs> that is very appropriate for this time of year. But. Well, yeah, because you're already starting to see the, the uh, Christmas decorations come out. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me want to gouge my eyes out. Oh, man. Now, I hope everyone's enjoyed this podcast. This I know is the like... real ending. This isn't like Metal Gear Solid Five, where we have like five different endings. And it turns out I'm not really you... Mike Wilson. I'm someone else. You're not Big Boss. It's Venn's sake. Goodbye. <laughs>